Hello, and welcome to the Tuesday, May 25th, 2021 episode of The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music and I share with you what has currently caught my interest, old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you have never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or the estate of any performer or composer dead and gone to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is blues singer, songwriter, and pianist, Sunday Wild, who is from the wilds of Northern Ontario, Canada. She can be found singing everywhere from small logging towns, at funeral parlors, and blues joints, and all the way to large festivals and bars in large metro areas. She is a powerful and intense vocalist, a rare voice that speaks from the primal soul. Sunday is a songwriter who explores grief, addiction, love, and the torment of social and family dysfunction. Her lyrics and delivery make it abundantly clear that she speaks from experience and authority. She has nine albums of mostly original music and her original songs have been included on various compilations. Her recordings have won worldwide accolades with radio play hitting number one on Sirius XM radio, Roots Music Report in Canada, and the Earshot Charts across Canada for blues. Her newest album, Peace in Trouble, was just released on March 2nd, 2021, and is burning up the charts. The last time I looked, it was at number five. The new album was recorded in her living room and features the talents of Harp Dog Brown on harmonica, Mac Givens on clarinet, Mike Carson on bass, and Lex Riley on trombone. The recording was engineered by Greg Schultz. Sunday has won Jazz and Blues Awards for her original compositions, 
most notably, the best blues album for the 2019 Independent Music Awards, the Voters' Choice Award for Best Blues Song of 2011, 2014, and 2019 at the Independent Music Awards, Best International Blues Release of the Year, 2011 and 2013, at the Jimmy Awards on Blues 411. Runner-up for Best Acoustic Blues Album of the Year in Germany, 2013 and 2014. Nominee for the Sirius XM Indie Awards, 2014 for Blues Act of the Year, nominee for Album of the Year Solo Artist, The Music and Film in Motion, Northern Ontario. Awarded six Ontario Arts Council grants and a Canadian Arts Council Award for her work in songwriting and recording. She's the winner for Best Female Blues Act of 2012 for Severn FM in the United Kingdom and runner-up for Studio Album of the Year 2013. She is the winner of the Vocal Vibes Artist of the Year Award 2013 and hit number one on Sirius XM Radio's B.B. King's Bluesville. In 2015, she was an honorable mention international songwriting competition for blues. And her 2011 and 2014 albums made the top 100 blues albums on the Roots Music Report. Her influences come from an array of sources. She continues to create, explore, interpret, and innovate, melding divergent styles and influences, pushing the envelope of her craft further. All the while, enthralling audiences with her live performances and singular style. Her music is playing worldwide on roots and blues stations, including Sirius XM Radio, Smokestack Lightning, WWOZ in New Orleans, Elwood's House of Blues Radio Hour, CBC National Radio Saturday Night Blues, Galaxy Blues on digital cable, at the Crossroads Syndicated Blues Show, the BBC, Full-Time Blues, PBS FM, House of Blues Radio Hour, Biker Street Radio, Roots Time, and many many more stations in Italy, France, Australia, Canada, and the United States. In my show notes, I've included a link so that you may read all about her newest album, Peace in Trouble, released on March 2nd. Also, there are two YouTube links to performances by Sunday of her songs, There Was a Time and My Baby's Dead. Also, I have included a link to Sunday's Facebook page. 
It is a pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, Sunday Wild. Hello, Sunday. Hello, hello. It's really great to talk with you. You too. You know, my knowledge of Canada is limited, even though living in Wisconsin, we're right, right below you. And uh, I have played the Calgary Stampede. And I have visited Montreal and I have visited Toronto. Uh, but that was a lot of years ago, many moons ago. I certainly, yeah. I was going to say, I certainly don't know much of anything about the blues scene in Canada. Would you bring me and my listeners up to speed about the blue scene in Canada, especially pre-COVID-19? Okay, so where I know those communities that you mentioned, those are bigger cities in Canada. And I live in northern Ontario, so Toronto is about 18-hour drive for me. So I've been there to play music um, a number of times. And I mean, the blues music scene in Canada is kind of a small scene, right? There's a few um, blues musicians that keep continuing doing their thing in Western Canada. And there's quite a few out of Southern Ontario, and that's where Toronto and Hamilton. And then in Quebec and Montreal area, there's quite a few um, players. Um, I have noticed in my um, observations, because I'm a blues artist in Canada, and I've been doing it for about 10 years now there's a difference in the sound too sometimes like in the southern in in Quebec and southern Ontario there's very electric sounding blues and I've learned that about blues music in different parts of the world they have a different kind of style sort of that you can kind of go oh that's a little bit like that area <laughs> if that makes sense but you know what the the great thing about being a blues artist in in the world I guess is that you know, when we meet each other in person, it's just great because it's like a big family. Well, I think because, you know, uh, music is that common language that we share. And I think you're right. That's how that we, you know, can uh, certainly relate regardless of where we, we come from. And uh, uh, so I think that that's... Uh, you know, an interesting way to, to look at it. And that really leads well into another question that I have for you. Um, is the blues as a musical style, is it truly an international style or is it a regional style that then is imitated internationally? Now I, I, I bring that up because we very often associate the blues with the Mississippi Delta region and the Southern United States. But we know that there are blues artists all over North America. And there are certainly regionals, some regional styles that we think of in, even in the United States, Piedmont blues versus a uh, Texas blues and so on. But I, what I'm really thinking about are all of those blues influenced 
uh, English rock bands and musicians like uh, like the Animals or the Rolling Stones or Eric Clapton, John Mile, and so forth. So is blues an international style, or is it is it a a regional style that's been picked up by musicians all over the globe and and imitated? Well, I'm going to speak on my own opinion of those things. Well, that's because what I'm interested you, you, in. Yeah. Um, not of a, of a factual thing, of course, but I mean, we all know the blues has history in the Southern America, Southern states, right? The history of the blues goes back there. It comes from there and it comes from a place of hardship and grief and trying for people to stick together as best they can in a horrendous situation. And that's kind of what that history is from. I mean, I'm not speaking because I've experienced that personally in the Southern states, but as a blues artist, um, for sure, is there imitations? Yeah, has it evolved? Yeah, it's, it's different. It, it's certainly evolved in different areas, I'm guessing. I don't really um, tend to listen to a lot of electric blues. I listen to old style stuff and my style per se is more the similar sound of like New Orleans and Southern States kind of, cause I do the um, piano and I write, but my songs are from my own experiences, right? Of pain and hardship. And so similar to some rap music, right? Rap, rap and hip hop music comes from different areas of the world, but there's people in different communities, especially in Canada, actually, in some of the First Nation reservations, the young people love hip hop and rap because they can relate to it in the struggles that they have as people. And so I think that's why blues is worldwide because people can relate to it because of their struggles that they're dealing with. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. Uh, I, I remember uh, very distinctly when I taught uh, jazz history and appreciation at the university. Of course, blues, you know, is a very important uh, component of jazz. And I would show my students a documentary uh, entitled uh, The Land Where Blues Began. And one of the things that was very prominent that stuck with me, and that's why I mention it now, because after all these years, I'm still thinking of it, was one of the uh, old, and he was, he was quite aged, blues artists that they were interviewing in the documentary. He said that, that when you have the blues, when you're sad, when you're dealing with uh, what life has dealt you, one of the ways to kind of ease that pain is to sing about it. It kind of is a, a, an emotional cleansing, if you will. And so that probably, you speak very well of that sort of universal appeal that all of us have from time to time. And perhaps that's why certain songs, regardless of whether we're performing them ourselves or we're listening to another artist perform them, have that reassuring uh, uh, emotional component to each and all of us and perhaps even help us deal with uh, our own emotional struggles. So I think you're spot on. I think you're right on in terms of uh, describing that uh, kind of purposefulness 
of a music that we call the blues. So it's it's very good, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why I do music. I mean, I've had two buried children, and um, did I start getting into blues because I loved that music? Yes, sure, but it also was a release. And when I started singing, I started singing and writing songs before I learned an instrument. And what it was for me from a personal point of view was a prayer of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so that cleansing type of thing. So, you know, there's, there's people all over the world that I guess imitate certain types of blues. And I don't know, there's so many different types of music. I can't keep track. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I am almost one of those who's ready to say that even having labels of music is this particular style or that particular style are, are becoming outdated because from what I understand, those kinds of labels got slapped on certain kinds of music strictly for the purposes of marketing records in the early days of the of the uh, record industry. And, yeah, right. Uh, I, yeah, and when you do start to reach out, because I'm an artist that I've ha I've had a lot of albums, and I reach out, right? I reach out to potential radio DJs and things like that, and and so you do have to kind of summarize it a little bit and what kind of genre area it's in, sure. at least. But like even for myself, um, I'm not a trained musician at all mm -hmm. i do it because i need to and for my own self and then i write songs with a message because that's also part of music right is having yeah. a message in your song and i'm a songwriter so what is the message that i want to share and as a woman i have messages that men are not going to write about and so i feel strongly for that that there are women doing this kind of thing too because there's just different messages that we want to share with people in the world and listeners. So um, that's also part of it too, I think, um, in that regard. No, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think, I think, uh, you know, what you're talking about is a form of personal expression uh, and unique personal expression because everyone comes from a different perspective based on age, gender, uh, part of the world you're from, economic status, all those kinds of things. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting to me, of course, I think part of this is, is largely due to the way technology has advanced things. But it seems to me that a lot of music uh, is, is becoming an amalgam of lots of different styles. I mean, uh, musicians are not just a particular style. Uh, a fellow that I interviewed on Monday uh, grew up hardcore rock and roller, uh, studied jazz guitar in college, and then he found his way uh, to an interest in more country music. And so that's what he's recording is a kind of a country style, yet some of the sidemen in his band employ particular rhythms or sounds that are not maybe typical of, of country music. So it's sort of like, again, it's a, it's a way that the style is 
evolved or grown or changed. But I don't know, we could probably talk about that till the cows come home. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, it, that's a cool situation, too. I mean, another part about not being a trained musician is um, for me as a songwriter and a singer and lyricist, and, and I play the piano, mm -hmm. um, is that I'm not aware of what is predictable chord changes and stuff. And so that happens when I'm working with other musicians and they're mm -hmm. like, I'm not sure where you're going with this. And I'm like, well, this is where I'm going. <laughs> sure. Well, you, you're relying, you're relying on your intuition rather exactly. than necessarily doing things by the rules, if you will. Exactly. And if you yeah. don't know the rules, you don't know the rules. <laughs> the rule, the rule is always just keep creating. That's yes. the rule. Always keep creating. And so that's the only rule that I've learned is just to keep creating things. Oh, good for you. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've, in, in reading your bio, you have had a wonderful career as a musician and you have won numerous awards. Would you reflect on some of uh, your more memorable experiences in your music career? Oh, for, well, I, I've recorded so many different ways and so many different albums and with lots of really cool people from all over the world, really. Um, I'm guessing, I think, you know, what, what I find the most, um, exciting, I guess, is to be, um, noticed by songwriting for my songwriting. And, um, so I've been nominated a number of times. I was a finalist for the international songwriting competition. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was a finalist. I was the only Canadian and only woman that year. That was cool. And so I, I'm proud to say that because of that reason, like I'm the only Canadian on this list and I'm the only woman on this list. Like how cool is that? <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah. So it is, it's very cool. Yeah, and, and recognized as songwriter and singer and everything too. So, um, though my, the, the biggest inner joy that I get from all of it though, is writing and, and writing and recording. Um, but, but certainly I, you know, with the number of albums that I've put out and released, I always send them worldwide out and, and every one of them has, a, has had a different accomplishment kind of in a way, if you know what I mean. Sure. So they're kind of like their own unique little worlds of creation sort of. And, you know, um, one of them, one, one, one really cool experience was I recorded in a hunting and fishing lodge about six years ago now, seven years ago. And I brought in the engineer to the lodge and we had two cabins for a week. And we, I flew in the guitar player from Toronto. I brought in a bass player and my friend came and cooked for us all. So we were there for a whole week at this hunting and fishing lodge. And we recorded an album, mixed the album, and got it out to radio like the week after. Yeah. And so that was a really, really cool experience because it was totally focused 100% of the time on the music for that mm -hmm. whole week. And it was, and that album hit number one on Cirrus Radio. So that was a pretty big accomplishment. And, and just to coordinate these types of endeavors are a big accomplishment too. That's why it's like, you have to keep going. 
And I, and I don't wait too long for people either. I, I, I will call them and say, hey, are you into this? Da, 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 da. And if they say nothing, then I just move on. <laughs> sure. Find somebody else who is. That's yeah. one thing I learned is that, you know, the people that are interested will respond right away. And the other people that are really interested will actually keep in touch with you because they mm -hmm. know you're doing stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a big part um, for anybody listening to if they want to get into music. That's a big part of it's a circle and it's a family and it's a big group of creative people doing getting stuff done. So networking, networking slash having friends <laughs> um, is a big part of uh, that, too, I think, you know. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I, I don't disagree with you one iota. I think you're, you know, you're spot on. It's, uh, you know, one of the things, I mean, I will just share with you just a, a personal note is that this podcast, I started in October, uh, kind of as a result of, of a couple of things. One, I was wanting something to do while, you know, being uh, kind of quarantined at home. And uh, the other was that, uh, I uh, in the I retired from full time teaching in 2017, and the last oh two three years maybe it was four years of my teaching career I taught online, uh, and uh, right from my basement where I'm sitting now, and uh, not at this same computer I've since upgraded, but uh, at that time I wanted to have quality sound for my students, so I bought a really a uh, nice audio technique of microphone that plugs into the USB port. Well, last summer, I was sitting here at my desk and noticing this microphone sitting there and I'm going, you know, it's I'm neglecting, I need to find a way to use it. And not too long after that, a colleague of mine wrote to me and he was interested in knowing what I was listening to because he was getting bored listening to the same old stuff. And he's wondering if I had any recommendations. Well, a light bulb went on over my head and I thought I'm gonna start a podcast and I'm gonna start a podcast about music and I'm gonna seek out people that the reason they're gonna make my podcast is because they're brand new to me. And I'm going to share them with, you know, anyone else who will care to, you know, listen to my podcast. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed meeting the people, other musicians, singer songwriters, uh, you know, instrumentalists, you, you name it, uh, through my podcast. And it is, it's really helped kind of buoy me up and keep me going through uh, the pandemic, because I haven't played a gig or had a rehearsal since a year ago, March this month. So yeah, I, you, when you talk about networking and contact, you're absolutely right. And it's always wonderful when you connect with other musicians, because uh, in my book, uh, musicians are the best people. Of course, I'm biased, I guess, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Well, well, speaking, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Networking is a big part of getting stuff done too, right? Yep. You know, and, and, and music. Yes. There's the music and the songs and, and, ga and gigs and stuff. I have, I mean, I'm in Northern Canada. We're locked down in a stay at home order right now. Yeah. So there's no, there's no gigs. There hasn't been gigs for me for a long time, but yeah. as a creative artist, and I consider myself that too, 
I've been so busy making videos, writing this new album. I was a, a part of a couple other um, compilation albums. So creative people can ext be extremely busy in this time too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, and you you uh, are leading me right into the next question I was going to ask you because certainly one of the things that you have been keeping yourself busy with during the pandemic is recording your new album, Peace in Trouble. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and then, so we, we're gonna talk about that more here in a moment, but what, what else have you been doing to stay musically active uh, other than recording the, uh, the new album? Uh, musically active, well, I was commissioned to write a song um, uh -huh. During this situation, and we recorded a single too. I, I I wrote it, and then I solicited some help from some other people to help record it, and and like the guitar player and and bass player and stuff. Uh -huh. um, and that got turned into a music video, um, which some with some dancers, some young girls that were dancing in it. Um, so that was a big project. Um, I was also part of a CD compilation where um, twelve. 11 bands um recorded an, an original song for this cd compilation at a studio and then we also made a video for it and that's online on youtube i a friend of mine's a puppeteer so i had him come over and we did puppet pu and i had vintage like i'm into props and things like that so um music for me is not just the music part but it's making things it's making videos and it's making promotional videos. It's making posters and things like that too, right? It's a mm -hmm. huge, it's yeah, a huge wonderful. endeavor. Yeah, imagery, Instagram posts, videos, la la la. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm right there with you. I know it takes it's 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 a lot of busy work. I mean, it's like one of my bands. Uh, we recorded uh, uh, an album, and of course, I picked all the music for the album. I commissioned a couple of new pieces to be written. Uh, and then of course I had to secure all the rights for the, the ones that weren't originals, mm -hmm. but I also did the album artwork and I did the, you know, so I'm right there yes. with you. I know that that's, and that's a wonderful part of the creative work as well. I had fun doing that, yep. uh, uh, you know, about as much fun. And, and then of course the, what you do in the studio is also fun, but, well, that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, you are very uh, prototypical of something that uh, the uh, Austrian composer Arnold Schoenberg once said, when he said a composer must. And what that must is, is right. And it sounds like that is something that is a, you know, kind of a fountain of, uh, your consciousness, your writing, your other creativity is is all kind of part of who you you are and something that that goes on. And so, what I really uh, I'm, I'm interested in is uh, about your creative process. What inspires you to write a song? Um. Yeah, I write quite a bit. I've written. I don't know why I embarked upon writing, but it came to me in my later years. I'm 52. Mm -hmm. And I started doing it in my late 30s, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't been doing this very long in the scheme of my life compared to others. Um, you know, writers mostly are observ 
observers of the human condition. Um, and I have another friend that's a writer and it's very emotional for her. And I said, writers have the pain of the world on their shoulders because they're trying to express that in their music too. So they see it and observe it and feel it and then want to put it in a, in a song. That's how I am. And so what inspires me sometimes is the horrendousness of life the horrendousness of seeing a couple walking down the street who are strangers and they obviously are abusive towards each other. Mm. And then I think about that because I live alone and I think a lot. <laughs> and I think about these strangers and this person that might be mean to the other person and vice versa or whatever. And I start thinking about how that would relate into a song and a message to women, maybe. Um, so these are just, just that's just one example of what inspires me to write a song mm -hmm. um anger frustration you know sometimes love sometimes I've written quite a few love songs mm -hmm. um the other thing that can be very um interesting for me to write about is addiction so addiction is a big part of our society and our society has taught us many times over that if there's something that we're not always happy, there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And so we are taught in general, this is my philosophy about society, that we need to become happy or there's something wrong with us. So I feel like that's part of uh, the addiction aspect. Yeah, there's going to be different opinions on that, I know, but it's just one point of view. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a few songs I've written about addiction, which I think are heavy and hard hitting to some people very much so. Um, and that that mesmerizes me too. And as a piano player, I'm always trying to get strong on my left hand mm -hmm. for my, the bass lines. And so when I'm learning, when I'm learning a bass line, I try to get, you know, as if I can get a better bass line on my left hand, I got a different groove, you know, so then all of a sudden, if it's a minor key, it's a little eerie song. And there it comes from the, the mood of what I want to talk about. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Well, it does. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, um, you know, I, you know, we talked, we touched on this a little bit before. And I get right kind of to that eventually in my, you know, in my questions to you, because, you know, the ancient Greeks believed that tragedy in drama served as an emotional catharsis for the viewer of the particular play that they're watching. Like when we're watching uh, Oedipus Rex and we are, uh, you know, in a sense, we can kind of vicariously experience the pain of the characters on stage without actually having to go through that same experience ourselves. And I believe, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, and you could comment further, is that singer-songwriters, musicians, uh, see things and choose to comment or express themselves in a way that might be serving as a catharsis for themselves 
as I was talking about earlier about when you have the blues, you sing the blues, or it might be seen as a way to have more of a universal message that despite the you know what hitting the fan, things are gonna get better or not. So when you write, you have already, I think, answered this in that you are expressing your thoughts, your feelings about a given subject. And then you mentioned about it might be a message for others because you said, I might do this for other women who might be experiencing this or something similar. So, you know, it's not like I'm here to give you a certificate of merit, a certificate of merit you know, as a service award for helping out <laughs> humankind. But in a sense, that's what we do. When I taught uh, music appreciation at the university, I often came at it from, to my students, I would play uh, a, a piece by, uh, let's say a, a Chopin prelude. And it might be in a minor key and it might have kind of a sad sound. And the first question I would ask my students was, so what kind of day was Chopin having when he wrote this song or when he wrote this piece of music? What was he feeling? Who was he directing that feeling at? And, you know, maybe he just had a fight with his girlfriend or maybe he had, you know, was worried about who knows, whatever else. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hear you say a lot of the same kinds of those things about you and your music. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, there's a wide range of subjects that I've put into some of my music and, and I'm proud of that. Um, some are universal and it, it's a human condition thing and too. And I think sometimes as songwriters, the message has to be simple enough to be relatable to more people sure. and, and, and anything about observa observations of the human um, condition or human spirit or human interaction, you know, that's fairly universal right there. <laughs> sure. Sure. And as, as a woman, I get, I, I have so many songs about men, men, yeah. trouble, men, frustration, love of men. And I, and I'm kind of known for writing songs about men. Yeah, so, there you go. But, but one thing I have learned is when I write a song about a man <laughs> is not to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> There's only been a couple men that are, can take it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, it's interesting. There's a, there was a, a another singer songwriter from uh, Atlanta that I interviewed oh, a couple of months ago. And one of her songs is entitled uh, Cardinal. Cardinal, And throughout the song, it's, it seems like it's all about birds. And we, as we talked about it during the interview, she's just using these different birds as metaphors for different people. That, ah. that she's not, you know, so like, you know, a magpie, you're always talking like, a da, 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 you know. Yeah, sort of oh, that's brilliant. I thought so. I thought yeah, so. Yeah, brilliant concept. That's yeah, awesome. well, if you want to check her out, her name is Melody Duncan. Okay. And she just, her, who, her newest uh, recording just came out, uh, oh, a month or so ago. It's called Wolf Song. Cool. And she also has a really cool song about wolves too. And, and, uh, but anyway, you know, I, I'm really 
curious to know, because uh, we all, uh, as musicians, we draw upon musicians of the past to learn and create our own unique sound and approach to music. You know, there was a great jazz trumpet player named Clark Terry who once said, first you imitate, then you innovate. So who has inspired your musicianship as a vocalist and as a pianist and in what ways? I get asked that question often and I can't ever put a person to that. There are many, many artists in the past that I listened to that I love and respect and I wish I could play like. Um, but the, the, the thing that inspired me to write music was burying my children and, um, you know, being shifted from house to house for 17 houses when I was growing up. It's plain and simple. That is what brought music into my heart and wanting to do it. Okay. And I get this question often, and it's not out of disrespect for any other musician that I listen to because like, who inspires me? Um, Ruth Brown, oh, okay. Big May, Big Maybell Smith, um, Professor Longhair, um, Louis Prima. These are uh, Cab Calloway. These are people that I listened to when I was growing up. These are these are artists that I listen made my kids listen to. I listened to a lot of rap and hip hop. Um, I named one of my kids after a, a rapper from England. <laughs> So I don't, I wish I could play the piano like Professor Longhair, but I just plain can't. <laughs> sure, sure. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I don't. I mean, I wish I could play trumpet like Maurice Andre, but I can't, you know. Exactly. Not yet anyway. I'm working on it still, but, you know. Because so, the question was about emulating, and I never try to do that, really. I just try to get these words out of my mouth so I feel better. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if that makes sense. So it's, it's, um, but I, I've, I've had to answer that question quite a bit in my life. And, and it's always a troublesome one for me because um, I, I have been compared to different people um, from other people. Like most recently, I was compared to Tom Waits. Really? And, and, yeah. Huh. And, and a couple people have said that to me in my life. And I'm like, but I'm a girl. <laughs> well, you know what, though, there's uh, there is there's a, a artist, you know, Tom Waits. I love Tom Waits. First of all, I, I've got uh, I've, I've loved him for years. And it's interesting. I'm going to have to go back and listen to your music again and see where, you know, where, where whoever made that comparison is getting that idea. But there is a woman named Mary Gaucher who I believe is from New Orleans. And she is a singer songwriter, and I believe a guitarist. And she also does uh, songwriting workshops. And I remember the very first time I ever heard her, any of her music, I says, wow, she's like a female Tom Waits. Because uh, a lot of the lyrics of her songs are kind of about the, that, uh, dark underbelly of society. And, uh, you know, she writes songs about hobos and about 
you know, uh, other, you know, people that are living um, on the, you know, what we might say the fringe of society. And yeah, uh, yeah. so, so that's interesting because when I've listened to you, you know, I mean, you can't help but try to think, okay, who does Sunday remind me of, or who does Sunday sound like? And, you know, and I, so I start thinking of other uh, blues singers, female blues singers who also play the piano. And uh, the first person that came to my mind was Marsha Ball, uh, although I don't believe your voice is necessarily like hers. It's just that she's female, she plays piano, and she's a blues singer. Um, and then there's uh, a trio, the blues ladies, they call themselves, except I'm not sure they're still together. But I was trying to try to pinpoint that. And uh, but I, you know, that's not important. It's just a, it's just always kind of interesting to find out, uh, you know, who people have listened to. It sounds to me yeah. like in your case, you have had this fount of inspiration and need for expression. And the blues just happened to come out. That's yes. just intuitively like that. what's, yeah. what's come out of you. And, mm -hmm. uh, and there's not a, a wrong thing with that either. I think that's because I, I, I love your music. I mean, obviously, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Because the first yeah, time I heard you. your recording, somebody posted one of your songs, or maybe it was when your album came out on one of the blues Oh, I lost you there for a minute, Craig. Are you still there? Oh. I lost you there, Craig. I can't hear you anymore. Oh, it's all right. That's okay. I hear you now. You hear me now? I sorry that. Yeah, I lost you. I'm not sure uh, what happened okay. there. I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in that if all else fails, unplug it and start over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so when you write an original song, do you, uh, you basically start with uh, uh, a melodic idea? A rhythmic idea, a particular set of chord changes, or do you start with the lyrics or a particular mood that then lead you to lyrics and melody and harmony? Um, I've done it in a uh, all the different ways, I guess. Okay, <laughs> that's a fair so answer. I've written about a hundred songs now, and most of them have been recorded, but I have a bunch that have not yet been recorded. Um, as I said earlier, I started writing songs before I knew an instrument, so there was no instrumentation involved. It's just vocals, and and um, um, sometimes I'll halfway write, start writing a song. Like blues is sometimes twelve bar, and I don't have very many twelve bar blues songs because I, I I can't stand twelve bar blues songs really for myself. Every time I sit there and I start singing it, I go, "It sounds like." A bunch of other blues songs. What's with this? <laughs> but my partner used to say, yeah, but it's about the feel and how you sing it. Oh, okay. And the words, right? So um, 
trying to get more into that a little bit to to um so i can't really answer your question because i've done it in a bunch of different ways so we could just say all of the above yeah all of the above yeah okay not a problem i just i'm always curious because you know, uh, some singer-songwriters I've spoken to over the last couple of months are, are well, I don't want to say that they're formulaic, but I had one, and I don't remember who it was now, that said that uh, they'll come up with uh, a particular line that uh, is reflective of something, that, and then all of a sudden the melody that fits that line will come. Or I've had others that start and will write the entire musical aspect first, then fit lyrics to it. Oh, so everybody's different. I. Oh yes, I guess I have done some of that. Yeah, I have. I have done oh. some of that too. Yeah. Okay. So my next yeah. question: Do you keep like a journal or a sketchbook with with different thoughts or musical ideas? All um, over the house. okay beside and beside my bed i got a notebook with a bunch of lines beside the piano um in my old house i used to actually have a whole wall with writing all over the wall um right by my piano so i could look at the words like concepts and emotions they weren't songs per se i wanted that particular concept in this song and how am i going to do it you know that kind of thing is reminders um but yes i do and and a really cool neat idea for anybody I mean, now we have phones, these phones, smartphones can do so much, goodness. But I used to have a digital recorder and I lived in the country. And so I used to have to drive for two and a half hours down the highway every once in a while in the country. And I had a little digital recorder on my dashboard. So I have like snippets of songs and melodies from the rhythm of the car, right? Going on the highway and stuff. That was very helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're not alone. I've, I've had uh, numerous other uh, composers, arrangers, singers, songwriters that uh, tell me that when they get their best ideas, uh, sometimes is when they're driving in the car. Yeah, yeah. And I have one, uh, uh, an acquaintance here in the Milwaukee area, where her name is Barb Ste- Barbara Stephan. And she t- she's had the most unique one so far. She said that she gets her best ideas for new songs while she's vacuuming. <laughs> cleaning up the shit around the house i guess <laughs> i guess well you know some of the songs that you record are not your originals if i understand correctly you you do record other people's songs not very often but yes i have okay. yeah okay well if you if you record a song that's already been done by an artist of the past uh i i guess there's probably two ways that you can go you can either come as close as possible to doing the song in the similar way as the original or you can go in a completely opposite direction making it an original sound for yourself in other words making it your song what approach have you taken when you've recorded other people's music yeah i'm not a cover artist okay and i don't even cover my own music sometimes And I say that because I've had band practices and they listen to the recordings and they're like, but it was faster on the recording. And I'm like, I know, but that was five years ago. And now today I'm a different person. <laughs> so even the co- the cover songs though, uh, that I do cover, um, I just, just, I just do change it up. 
Um, I in the last I think three or four albums that I've released, my goal is to always have a Willie Dixon song on one of my albums. Mm -hmm. And so I covered um, "Home to Mama" on my new one, and that's an old one. And and I just did it in my own style. Um, and then previous album, I did a song called "Evil." And but sometimes if it if the song the cover is like in from the lyrics are from a male perspective I change it right because I'm not a male and I'm not going to sing from a male perspective even sure. though the original song was done that way it's not what I do why would I I'm a girl I'm going to sing from a girl's perspective of course you are so yeah so I changed it that way okay. and then and of course I I think evil I changed the I changed it to a minor key and different things like that. And then I did Howlin' for My Darling, Willie Dixon. Um, and I completely rearranged it and came up with a new um, vocal scatting thing. And But I have fun doing that because I, uh, I really am a fan of Willie Dixon's music. And he's, you know, known for so many blues songs. And I think it's really cool that a uh, woman blues artist will continue to cover his music. Mm -hmm. Well, then that would lead me then what draws you to a particular song by another artist to want to perform and perhaps record it? It has to be lyrically and the meaning and the message of the song has got to be something that I believe in, or that I've gone through. Okay. Now, because there's been people that have suggested, hey, you should sing this song and I listen to it and go, why would I? I don't understand that song. I've never gone through that. I don't want to advocate for that. And no. <laughs> Okay, so so you really what you look for is is probably the same thing that might appeal to to about a song anyway is that it has some depth, it has some meaning, and it speaks to you, and so you, you in turn want to want to express it, uh, but in your own unique way. I think that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, and that's part of like who I am as an artist. I get to choose um, what I'm putting out there into the world for what I want to sing about. Sure. I don't, I don't want to sing about certain things. I'm not going to. Okay. Well, you know, and then I was just going to ask you, you know, from your perspective as a blues artist, are there blues standards? In other words, are there certain songs that every blues artist should be familiar with? Like, and, and some that came to mind were like CC Ryder or Smokestack Lightning or the St. Louis Blues. Do you think there are blue standards? I know that there's blue standards. I don't do any blue standards. Um, okay. um, there's a couple. Well, Howlin' for My Darling, I think, is a blue standard. But like, I, I don't listen to the a lot of the electric blues. I listen okay. to the older stuff. And so, yeah, there are blue standards, just like there's jazz standards, I guess. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, let's get to your new album, which uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure you're anxious to talk about. Uh, it's entitled Peace and Trouble. And I, like I told you, I found the recording a wonderful collection of what I consider to be raw, raucous blues. I mean, very, you know, straightforward, powerful, simple, unadulterated, not a lot of extra stuff mm -hmm. just 
laid out there. And, and it's, I think also it's interesting. A listener should know you recorded this in your living room. Yes. And this album has got no drums and no guitars on it. Yes. And 10 of those songs I wrote. Um, and interesting enough, the clarinet player was a professor in Philadelphia of physics. Oh. And you're you're a professor, so I wanted to let you know about that. Well, that that's that's it is interesting to know that uh, physics professor. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. But, uh, so the, there's clarinet on a few tracks as color, and then there's a harmonica on a few tracks for color. And I play the piano and I sing, and then I had an upright bass player also play throughout the whole thing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So very simple, as you said. And, but I think the songs are strong. There's some interesting messages, you know, in them um, from a woman's perspective. One of the songs is called All Alone. And, you know, my mom's gone now, she's passed away. But when it's a message to women out there that have to do take care of kids by themselves, single moms, sure. you know. Sure. Um, so that's an important message. Um, and the album, of course, was done. But throughout COVID, I was writing a lot every, and I had this, I had, I've released nine albums now and I was part of a couple other albums too. And I wanted to release another album. And when I put my mind to something, I would get it done. And I was writing, writing, writing every day after work, all weekend long, my fingers were sore. Oh, um, and then I said, okay, well, we're going to do this. And I wanted to record the real piano because I, I'm a producer too, and I have particular desires when I do a recording, hey? And I just try to keep moving and do it the best that I can in how I want it. I've always wanted a clarinet on some of my music, and it gives a really, really cool sound, vintage sound, right, to it? Oh, I, yes. I think your use of the instruments, uh, you know, as that kind of uh, second expressive voice, if you will, you know, because it, it complements your singing voice. Usually when you when you hear it, uh, it was an excellent choice. And the clarinet, trombone, certainly uh, harp dogs work on, on harmonica, all of that really mm -hmm. I found appealing, very tastefully done and done with some expressive purposefulness. You didn't just throw it in because you felt like you had to. I could feel like, when I listen to the particular song, you chose that instrument for a reason. Oh, yes, I, I'm, yes, I, I was really happy with how it turned out. Yeah. So happy how it turned out. Um, and I didn't want drums and guitars. And, you know, when I, when I harp dog Brown, I know he's a blues artist in Canada. So I'm glad you mentioned him. Like we're friends and I don't see him very often because he lives far away and said hey I'm doing a thing you want to maybe do some harmonica on a track I said I don't know if I'm gonna do drums or guitars and he's like oh that's cool <laughs> well I just so, you know it to me it just uh, it had that feel of an old you know bar room kind of you know barrel house sort of rock'em sock'em stomping sound and I, you know, I, I don't mean in an aggressive way, but just kind of in a way that if you, okay, I, I, I'll put it this way. When you listen 
to Sunday's new album, ladies and gentlemen out there listening. If your foot isn't tapping, call your doctor because you're probably dead. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way I can sum it up because it is just <laughs> that kind of fun, raucous kind of pump and blues piano and the use of the other instruments as well. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it, obviously. And and uh, uh, I, I'm almost even uh, a bit hesitant to even ask this next question because I think I already know the answer. Uh, I was okay. going to ask you if you're currently writing, but I, I would think, yes, I think you're probably always writing. You're always uh... writing stuff currently writing I, yeah since i've recorded and released that album that album's just a month old now yeah and um hit number one in canada three times already oh yeah <laughs> i've been following you've been burning up the charts in canada yes and it got a great review in chicago and 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 uh, that was like pretty big deal for me because i'm really far north <laughs> yeah um i'm always writing i'm working on a couple new songs um one uh, yeah i i was sick for a while there um in my life and i so i started writing a song a sort of some advice to people when i go kind of thing the things that i've learned in my life that for people like pay attention to this when this happens and pay attention to this when this happens and you know what i mean yes. <laughs> so um you know hopefully i'll do another recording at some point in the next year i'm thinking probably by the time i get enough songs done sure. um but you know you need to have a selection of songs that are different with some different messages and i'm sure i will um but it's always a continual thing and i am working on some new songs yes <laughs> oh wonderful wonderful well uh, we'll be looking forward to your new your new recording when it comes out. But in the meantime, we got plenty to enjoy with your album, Peace and Trouble. And it is, like I said, it's burning up the charts in Canada. So to all my listeners, and most of my listeners are in the States, although I do have listeners all over the world, but uh, I have to make sure and check out uh, Sunday's uh, new album. Well, is, is there anything else that you would like to add or tell my audience that I haven't asked you about? Yes, I would. Thanks, Craig. You know what I would have to say to people listening is um, being a an artist and a musical artist in the world right now is extremely tricky. It was very tricky before the pandemic, and it's even more so now for people. Um, so, you know, and the less and less people buy music. And I understand that because the, the whole system of the internet has changed things. And I understand that too. But, you know, I encourage people to go and check out their music and subscribe to their YouTube channels, share their YouTube videos with your friends. And you know what? If you really like their music, send them a message. Send them a message because I'll, I have to tell you, there's at least five times in the last 10 years that I got a message from somebody, just a random stranger that heard a song and, and they liked it for this reason or that reason. And it made me keep going. There you go. You would, Yes. So yes, you may not want to spend $10 on an iTunes album. I get it because you can download them everywhere. But I encourage you to, if you do like somebody's music, send them a tip. There's um, Spotify has set up a thing where you can donate money right on Spotify to the artist. Go and do that. 
Sure. If you if you have money and if you like them. And if you don't have money, there's lots of ways you can support artists by not having money and not buying their music. And another one is by requesting their music on the radio stations. So yes. artists, musical artists right now are very struggling, struggling, and they were struggling before this because of the internet and everything. So but music is such a big part of our society and our everyday life in internet ads, in radio shows, in television station, uh, in movies, in video games, on the ad, when you're put on holes, trying to call somebody, you hear music. So you understand that music is a big part of our society and artists and musicians need to be supported in whatever way that you can support them. I encourage not not just me necessarily, but whoever you believe in as an artist. I think it's very important. Well, I think those are those are excellent words, and I I would echo them uh, for all for not only for for you Sunday, but for all the artists that I've had the opportunity to speak with during uh, the you know the past few months. Uh, we're they're all kind of in the same boat. Nobody's uh, you know uh, doing you know super duper well you know because the lack of ability to get out and do live shows and of course the situation with uh with recordings and and how we get at them and so forth has changed but uh the our artists need your support that's true well sunday i want to thank you for taking time to talk with me today uh, thank you it's been a wonderful uh, opportunity to to get to know you better and to and to talk and I again appreciate appreciate having you as a guest on my podcast. So I want to wish you all of the best with what I'm sure will be a continued successful musical future. Thank you so much, Craig. It's been fun. <laughs> yes, it has. You take care yeah. now. Okay, stay safe, everybody. Bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> My discovery composer of the week is Adolphus Hailstork. Hailstork was born in 1941 in Rochester, New York. He received his doctorate in composition from Michigan State University, where he was a student of H. Owen Reed. He had previously studied at the Manhattan School of Music under Vittorio Giannini and David Diamond at the American Institute at Fontainebleau with Nadia Boulanger and at Howard University with Mark Fax. Dr. Hailstork has written numerous works for chorus, solo voice, piano, organ, various chamber ensembles, concert band, orchestra, and opera. Among his early compositions are Celebration, recorded by the Detroit Symphony in 1976. His 1977 composition, Out of the Depths, and American Guernica, written in 1983, are two concert band works which won national competitions. Consort piece, composed in 1995, was commissioned by the Norfolk, Virginia Chamber Ensemble and was awarded first prize by the University of Delaware Festival of Contemporary Music.
Significant performances by major orchestras, Philadelphia, Chicago, and New York, have been led by leading conductors such as James DePriest, Paul Freeman, Daniel Berenboim, Kurt Mazur, Lauren Mizell, Joanne Falletta, and David Lockington. This March, Thomas Wilkins conducted Hailstorks at American Port of Call with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. The composer's second symphony, commissioned by the Detroit Symphony, and second opera, Joshua's Boots, commissioned by the Opera Theater of St. Louis and the Kansas City Lyric Opera, were both premiered in 1999. Hailstork's second and third symphonies were recorded by the Grand Rapids Symphony Orchestra, David Lockington conducting, and were released by Naxos. Another Naxos recording, An American Port of Call, was recorded by the Virginia Symphony Orchestra and released in the spring of 2012. Recent commissions include Rise for Freedom, an opera about the Underground Railroad, premiered in the fall of 2007 by the Cincinnati Opera Company. Set Me on a Rock, regarding Hurricane Katrina, for chorus and orchestra, commissioned by the Houston Choral Society in 2008, and the choral ballet, The Gift of the Magi, for treble chorus and orchestra, composed in 2009. In the fall of 2011, Zora, We're Calling You, a work for speaker and orchestra was premiered by the Orlando Symphony. I Speak of Peace, commissioned by the Bismarck Symphony, conducted by Beverly Everett, in honor of and featuring the words of President John F. Kennedy, was premiered in November 2013. Hale Stork's newest works include The World Called, based on Rita Dove's poem, Testimonial, a work for soprano, chorus, and orchestra commissioned by the Oratorio Society of Virginia and premiered in May of 2018, and Still Holding On, premiered in February 2019, an orchestra work commissioned and premiered by the Los Angeles Philharmonic. He is currently working on his fourth symphony and a composition entitled A Knee on a Neck, a tribute to George Floyd for chorus and orchestra. Dr. Hale Stork resides in Virginia Beach, Virginia and is professor of music and eminent scholar at Old Dominion University in Norfolk. The All Music Guide lists recordings of 17 of Hale Stark's chamber works, eight of his choral works, two of his concerti, 
11 works for keyboard, recordings of all three of his completed symphonies, three vocal works, and four other orchestral works and four other miscellaneous works. I hope you will take time to enjoy this previously unknown to me contemporary American composer. In my show notes, I include a link uh, to a YouTube performance of Hale Stork's Epitaph for a Man Who Dreamed, performed by the Shiniki Orchestra. That wraps episode number 31. My show notes, along with links to artist websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artist performances, are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. Next week, I will be interviewing Minneapolis-based singer-songwriter Dan Rodriguez. Upcoming podcasts will include interviews with New York-based composer, arranger, and big band leader Jai Lee, Decatur, Illinois-based singer-songwriter Ashley Riley, LA-based actress and singer-songwriter Sarah Nemitz, and Brown University professor of psychology and rapper Malik Boykin. So don't touch that dial. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-d-u. So, until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.